listening to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with host Shereen Rice on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening. This is Shereen Rice with Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. My goal for this show is to educate and help in the healing journey for those that are suffering from domestic abuse. If you'd like to call in, uh, this is definitely live today, so it's 917-889-8078. If you're listening tonight and would like to get in touch with me, email me at shereencwr at gmail.com, so I'll spell that out for you, S-H-A-R-E-E-N-E-C-W-R at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd like to remind everyone that our show is every Thursday night from at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 Central, and of course, 9 uh, Eastern. So my show uh, can also be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and we've added a new one, uh, My Heart Radio. So if you subscribe to those services, um, we are on those. And if you want a direct link to those services, you may go to the CWR homepage on the website. And our website is cwrtalknetwork.com and click on the logo for that service. If at any time you experience a trigger by this topic, please call the national hotline. Let me give you that number. 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. I have a great topic tonight. It's going to be on psychological abuse, and I have a co-host, Cassandra Weyburn. She's going to be talking with us on that subject. So I'm going to go to a public service announcement right now, and I'll be right back with you. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back. This is Shereen Rice at Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. I have my co-host on right now. Cassandra Weyburn, but uh, she is in the green room because that's what happens, so she can't talk to us. (laughs) Hi, Cassandra. Hello. (laughs) I'm glad you're there. I always forget (laughs) to push that one button. You know, I don't know what it is. Anyway, so (laughs) my topic today is psychological abuse and why it is the worst kind of abuse, and since both of us have a lot of experience with this, I thought you'd be the perfect person for this. (laughs) 
to discuss tonight. Well, thank you. <laughs> so let's. I love uh, being I know you're so wonderful. You know, I have to tell everybody that Cassandra is is lives in Orem, right? Is that right? Uh, no, Ogden. No, Ogden area. Yeah, Ogden area, right? Yep, Ogden, and, Utah area. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I live uh, like about six or seven hours south. But she is always willing to to help me out on whatever subject that we have because both of us have experienced a lot of different things and she's still going through a bunch right now. So that's why I brought her on because she has some uh, fresh uh, experience actually on this issue. So absolutely, Cassandra, yeah. Tell us a little bit about uh, the psychological abuse that maybe has been happening in the legal system for you lately. Um, okay, so I was divorced five years ago and to an abusive person, and he was abusive in all aspects. It didn't matter if it was psychological, physical, um, sexual. I experienced a little of all of them, <laughs> and I didn't know that I still allowed him to have control over me through manipulation for years after our divorce. Um, he ended up beating me up last July, so. Uh, just barely 13 months ago. And and after that, I said to him, I said, you know what? I'm done. I have two children with you that I have to set an example. And the example that we have set is a poor one. And I would rather set the example of what to do instead of what not to do. I'm going to comply with the police now. And I'm going to put me and the children in counseling and, um, and, and get help from a women's shelter. And I have been doing all of those things, and there's been a tremendous amount of growth. It's definitely not an easy thing to have to, you know, face those demons. But if you don't, it's only harming you and damaging you and anybody around you if you don't address them. So that's where I've been at. And there's been a lot of emotional and psychological um things that have happened, you know, over the course of the last 13 months. So. Right. And, and let me ask you this. Um, you were divorced five years ago. And Correct. so you remained in contact with him, even though he, uh, uh, do I want to say administered, uh, beat you up on several yes. occasions. So why yes. did you stay in contact with him? Did you have to through the, ch- because of the children? Well, from the discovery of things through counseling, I have um, several diagnoses that fit under the umbrella of Stockholm Syndrome. And so um, one of the terms would be kind of like trauma bonding, abuse amnesia, codependency. So I still remained in a sense for about two years after the divorce, a wife figure, even though we were divorced. Um, I still was very thankful to him in a lot of aspects. Uh, I still made dinners for his family, um, our children when they were with him. And he even came over to my family's Thanksgivings, Christmases for a couple of years after the divorce. And I bet he like the most wonderful person in the world. Is that right? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. He was very charming charismatic, um, something that's a normal, common sign for abusers, and my ex did this very well, is 
he would befriend people, like, say, for example, at my family's Thanksgivings or whatever, and he would just make little quiet comments, subtle comments Uh, to just a family member, you know, to a family member saying, you know, know, something that I never really said or I really never felt, but would plant little seeds that could create problems in my relationship with siblings or parents, and... Um, he would do the same thing. When I'd leave, he'd tell me, you know, this is what your mom said about you when she took me out to dinner the other day, or this is what my parents have said about you. And after I've gone through all this therapy, I'm now thinking, you know, I bet nine times out of 10, the things that he said to me that he's claiming other people said about me is probably baloney because I know I didn't say those horrible things about them. Right. It was just oh, to create wedges and rifts. Yeah. And you know, he said to them, this is what she said about you. And and they're like, oh, really? She, yeah. she would talk about yep. me like that? Yep. Yeah. Yes. And um, so it created the wedges, right? Oh, yes. Yes. And he was Absolutely. successful. And yep. uh, so how did you, did you get past those wedges? Did you go talk to them personally? What did you do? Well, some of that's still in the, in the discovery phase. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and through therapy, I've learned some of them that it, it's better to let time prove the truth on its own. And then some right. things just to go right up and just say, I don't know what Jason may have said about me, to, uh, you know, to you about me, but if there's anything there that's any wedges, I would love to, you know, talk to you so we can work through them you know and so there's been a couple of times where I've had those kind of conversations and I've come to hear awful things that was said about me to other people and I would say gosh that's not even a that wasn't even my opinion let alone something I said or would say or would say and frequently the, the comments that he would say to them was actually things that he would tell me as that was his opinion but he would tell them that it was my opinion. Right. So, and and you that's know what? gaslighting. Yeah, it's not only gaslighting, but it is also helping him isolate you. Mm-hmm. And isolation is a big um, component to abuse. He can't oh, abuse you. you very well without isolating you. But. Now, how long did it take you to want to talk to those people about what he, what you supposedly said, or what they supposedly said, or did they come to you? Um, it's me who's been making most of the approaches. Good. Just because of most of it's because of me finding out, you know, certain things, and so I've, depending on who the person is and the personality and the relationship that I've had with them you can pick and choose which one it is. Most people after they've seen how much growth that my children and I've had, they're starting to also recognize that, gosh, that's never how Cassandra was before Jason or after him. So it's got to be, it, it can't be true. So some of it has just in time has worked itself out as well. Good. And um, good for them if they said something to you and how empowering if you said something to them. Um I have to tell you that my ex-husband did the same thing, again, to try to um, 
isolate me. He would say very derogatory and negative things about me to all his friends and family that he wanted to isolate me from, that if he thought I would ever develop a relationship with, he had to, of course, try to destroy it. But then he would also say, uh, like one time I said, oh, I'm going to have to go out with this uh, this girl that's a friend of his. And, and he goes, oh, she thinks you're psycho. And I'm like, I wonder yep. why she thinks I'm psycho. I mean, I may be psycho, but, you know, why would she think I was psycho? <laughs> I try to act right. relatively normal when I'm around her. But anyway, um, so I guarantee you, it didn't dawn on me till a lot later. He was, I'm sure he was saying to her, oh, Shireen thinks you're psycho. I guarantee right. you he was doing that because that's how they isolate you from uh, anybody f- uh, around them that may uh, tell the truth. Right. And figure out what's going on. And so I didn't talk to her. I didn't call her for dinner, nothing. I just said, oh, she thinks I'm psycho, so maybe I better not go out to lunch or dinner with her or whatever, you know. Maybe I just shouldn't right. do it because she thinks I'm psycho, you know. Um, but he put that wedge uh, also in between her. He, But he did this all the time. You know, he would say, I don't like the color of your hair. And then I'd hear it from every one of his friends and his family members. And I'm like, why do you talk to everybody about the color of my hair? Why is that so important to you? You know why? Because it's psychological abuse. Everyone's like, oh, your hair looks better brown. Your hair looks better brown. Your hair looks better brown. Why do you have it that color? It really doesn't look that good. You know, it looks better brown. You know, and I'm like, half of these people didn't even know me when my hair was brown. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like. Why would they say that? And then, and then again, it'd be my clothes. He didn't like my what I wore. Why do you wear those clothes? That they, you know, sweatpants. When I'm at home, I like to feel comfy. You know, comfy. And yeah. yeah, and so my comfy clothes are my sweatpants, and I put them on. And I take off all my nice dress clothes, and and I um I feel comfy. Well, to him, that's jeans. Well, jeans aren't comfy for me. They're just not. No. And so I'm like, oh, well, not to lounge at home not in for sure. Right, right. And so again, I'd hear from all of his friends, which he didn't have many, so it was only like three. And then family members, which is only a couple as well, because most of them aren't talking to him either. And if they are, you know, that's not really smart because he's he's just a bad person. But anyway, so which um, is actually also another warning sign of of um, them being an abuser is that they don't keep their friendships long, that he ha- creates rifts with them. Yeah. Well, um, like friends, he's, yeah. Had, he's had a handful of childhood friends where he would have a rift with them for five, six, seven years. And then he's friends with them again. And, but then it's still toxic. So yeah. um, like my ex, you know, I'd say he's has several friends, but he can only have one or two that are close at a time. And then as soon as there's a rift that nine times out of 10, he was the one who, provoked it and caused the problem he would alienate that person out of his life and then bring back someone again from his past and yeah. just repeat the cycle with that same set of people that he's known since childhood right so right and, and he's done that with one, the family too this one mostly childhood people uh he only has one of those friends left um no one else is talking to him um, and when we, uh, you know, I have a boatload of friends, you know what I mean? I mean, you and Missy are like two of my closest friends, you know what I mean? And I have a boatload yep. of really close friends, 
friends, female and male, to be honest with you, and Mm -hmm. um, that I can talk to about anything. I trust them explicitly, et cetera, et cetera. That's what a bestie is to me, someone that I can trust explicitly and that I can talk to about anything. And they would not mind saying, hey, Shireen, you're half cocked or you know what? Uh, You got a right to feel that way. You know what I mean? Um, Right. So anyway, I'm like, you have like one friend. And all the people, and we grew up together, so I know exactly, I know a lot of his old friends, right? And no one else will talk to him. And I'm like, so why is that? And he goes, well, he goes, I don't play well with others was his excuse. And I'm like, you don't play well with, what does that mean exactly? You don't play well with others. You know, I mean, really, what does that mean? I mean, who knows what that means? But anyway, for him. Well, uh, for me, when I asked him, well, how come, how come we don't? Cause we grew up in a small town and it was a really small city. I mean, it's a mile long and then a half a mile wide. Yeah. So it's a really small city and yeah, he, he's several years older than me, but because you're in that small town, you know, I grew up with their younger, their younger siblings. And so I knew all of them. And when he and I got married, I was excited because I was like, yeah, we're going to all, you know, get together and we can do a friend Thanksgiving and we can go do a monthly date night and stuff like that. And so I had asked him, well, let's go hang out with, you know, Jason and, and Danielle. And he's like, Oh, well, I'm not talking to Jason right now. I'm like, Oh, how come? Well, he's just being a backstabber and trying to cause problems between me and the other friends. So I'm not talking to him right now. And back then, of course I believed it, you know, so then I didn't like Jason for a while. I didn't like his wife because they were helping each other, you know, trash talk and ruin a relationship with other Jason, my husband's friends. And so you know, it was kind of like one of those kinds of things. But then I recognized that there was a pattern. He was always the victim of someone else's words or someone else's actions. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's that's kind of sad, huh? Absolutely. I grew up in a small town, too. Uh, actually, I lived in the town next to his. Mine was smaller. It had 25 in the in the town itself, but there's about 250 throughout the whole area and and then his area was about 700 people but my he was a year older me Uh, my graduating class was 50 people and um so I not only knew everything about everybody I knew about their friends I knew about what they did last night what they didn't do last you know what I mean it it was Mm -hmm. one of those type of towns but anyway so um so he was able to really um, isolate me a lot from a lot of people that didn't even like him. And you're like, okay, seriously, people, are you kidding me? You know he's lying because he's lied about you. Remember that part? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so the psychological abuse, the reason why I say that that's worse, let's get down to the nitty gritty, is psychological abuse is what happens before sexual abuse. It's what happens before physical abuse. It is the baseline for all abuses because no one's going to abuse unless they think they have a handle on you. And like I always tell people, you know, as soon as they feel that you've committed to that relationship, that you have totally... Uh, committed to that relationship is when the abuse will start and it will start out slowly and you'll never even see it seriously. And I'm sure that's what happened to you. Absolutely. It was. Yeah. If he walked up to you, girlfriend and you on your first date and hit you, I think you'd have ran and said, you're a, you know, an idiot. 
Yep. Um, yep. But they don't walk up to you and hit you. They don't walk up to you and say you're a bitch. They don't walk up to you and verbally uh, verbally abuse you or or, or anything. They will. No, they go first. through a phase that they call grooming. Yep. And Real in the in, grooming Real phase. Yep. In the grooming phase, um, it's really common for them to find out what your goals are, what your aspirations are, what your dreams are, what your interests are, what your passions are. Um, and they will mirror what you like, which makes you feel like you have a lot of things in common. And then they'll, you know, plant little buds of opinions of others while they're in the grooming phase. Mm -hmm. So, and because you have no reason not to trust them in that phase, you believe that, you know, these horrible things that they might have said about their, their mom or their father or their stepdad or their coworkers or their long childhood friends. And, um, you just feel like, gosh, that person's just had, you know, some rough relationships with a variety of people throughout his life. And you're just there for him. And then, oh, yeah, you feel so bad. And then the psychological abuse of like gaslighting, you know, kicks in after the grooming, after they feel like they have complete control over you. And that's when the psychological abuse comes and abuse can come like moments after, or it can be months or years later, but, you know, cause each abuser is different. Um, mine, uh, physical abuse came extremely quick in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Extremely quick. How it quick? was over our honeymoon. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Yeah. But how yeah. long did the physical abuse started right over home. When you got groomed or sucked in. How long so did you we had been talking, we had been talking for a long time we had been talking for about seven or eight months before we went on our first date but by the time we went on our first date I had already felt like that he was going to be my husband and so so when we dated it was a very short actual physical courtship because of the talking for seven or eight months there behind it and um so we we went out on our first date early June of 2009, and we mm-hmm. were married um, that fall. Okay, so like three, but, four, five but, months. Yes, um, so but like I said, we had been him. talking. Well, yeah. and I knew him from growing up as a child too. It's just we reconnected yeah. in right. adult years, um, and we had talked about for about seven or eight months. Right. So you you got reconnected for about a year. Well, about seven or eight months before we went on our first date. And then it was almost a whole it was almost a year by the time we got married. It was almost a whole year by the time we got married. Yeah. So and explain gaslighting again. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can do gaslighting. Um it can be an all or nothing kind of scenario. They can, you know, say that you're a goddess and then two seconds later you are you are a piece of shit yeah and it's a it's an all or nothing and or you could have a discussion about you know one specific topic of saying hey you know this you 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 calling me 
a derogatory name. That really hurts my feelings. Can you please not do that again? And then he's like, oh, so I can't do anything right? And you're sitting here thinking, no, I didn't say that you couldn't do anything right. I was just asking, let's not call me a derogatory name anymore. That's, you know, and so it's an all or nothing is a really far, far, common sign of gaslighting. Um, yeah. yeah. Another, another way of gaslighting. Okay. Go, ahead. Huh? go ahead. Go I, ahead. I was just going to say another of gaslighting is that um, at the beginning of, you know, an issue that you might need to be talking about in a, in a relationship with that person and you just want to address it with them and you're thinking that you guys are both mature adults so you can discuss your feelings on how you interpreted something and ask, you know, how we can uh, change it. And they get so upset and they flip things and you, they cover so much, but by the end of the discussion, it's now an argument and you don't even remember what your concern was. And now you're the one apologizing and you're the one now apologizing at the end. Yeah. They flip the script. (laughs) They do. They flip the script and they, they throw out so much that you feel like you're caught up in a spider web and you don't even know how you got there. Yes, yes, yes. And um, uh, to add to that also is they make you believe things that aren't true or they Absolutely. make you believe things that aren't true that they, they make you believe that they are true. And so um, did you ever see the movie Gaslighting? I think it was a 40s movie. I have not. Nope. Oh, you got to see it. I bet it's on YouTube. But anyway, it's great. And that's where the term comes from. And I did see that uh, a couple times years ago, of course. But um, I thought it was very interesting. I'm like, you know, at one point you're feeling sorry for her. And then you're like, oh, no, he is so nice. Look at him. He's so charismatic. He's just he's a dreamboat. And then you see him, you know, gaslighting her more and more. And you're like, he's horrible you know by the end of the movie you just want to kill him you know what i mean you're like oh my gosh mm-hmm. this guy's horrible and um anyway so uh, yeah I, I would recommend anyone to see that movie to kind of get an idea of where gaslighting came from because it is so so true do they not t- you, like you said he would drop little hints about people that that weren't true but made you gave you some sort of an opinion uh, let me give you an example he would say uh, and remember you said um, they would groom you and by attacking your nurturing side. You know, they would, he's like, oh, my ex, she treated me so bad. She did this. She did that. She did this. And, you know, one thing about women is we're nurturers, are we not? By birth, we're nurturers. And Absolutely. we're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, maybe I can do something to help you with that. You know, I don't, I don't know. He had me convinced his two wives before me, they were just awful. I was convinced that they were just vicious. Yeah. Uh, One, he knew he couldn't turn me against because we were friends in high school, but he would say, yeah, she cheated on me all the time. What was he doing? The same thing. And, but he, yeah, mm-hmm. he didn't share that part of the information. You know what I mean? Anyway, mm-hmm. so his ex-wife, basically, my hat is off to her, and I actually uh, consider her an excellent example of uh, uh, of someone who did a great job getting out of a relationship. I mean, he had no clue she had been saving money for years, which he'd have to, 
um, she got a little part-time job and would stuff it away and he had a job. And so she'd throw that in the bank and a few dollars into her account too, which why not? They're both married, right? And they had been for 20 years anyway. So, um, you know, she had the lawyer lined up. She had the, no, you know, the, the, all the paperwork lined up, the restraining order lined up, everything lined up. And he was served, and he had to get out. And he, he, it was great. But that, what did that do for him? And one thing about abusers, when they are, well, they learn quickly, and they will turn the script on someone else. And so he he knew how to do other people following that, and he mistreated girlfriends. He mistreated everybody. So and and still does to this day. But. Um, so anyway, one thing about abusers are if they screw up one time, they learn from it and they learn how to get around that system. They learn how to get around the legal system. They know how to manipulate cops. I mean, they know it all. Yeah, and I, I, you you can know the difference between somebody who is a healthy person versus someone who is an abuser or an unhealthy person. A healthy person, we're human. We still make mistakes. We can make some of the same mistakes they do, but... A healthy person will have time for reflection and recognize what right. they did wrong. Right. They'll acknowledge it, and they'll do what they can to repent of it. They'll try to apologize to the person and try to make it their wrongs right and mm-hmm. set a game plan on how to avoid doing those same mistakes. Right. And an abuser, instead of doing those patterns, what they do are um, finding ways of how to cover it up better next time right and also they don't take accountability for any of their actions unless they think they need to and then and only then will they apologize which they don't mean the apology they're using the apology to manipulate the victim yeah if they know that it will be a lesser consequence to admit have admission of guilt they will admit it long enough to avoid a, a bigger consequence and then down the road, they'll have a new twist, a new spin on the reality of what actually happened. Yeah, and sometimes they they will apologize, but they won't take any accountability whatsoever. And right. let me give you an excellent example of My that. Apologies were blanket, I, they were blanket apologies. Right, right. I like how you say that, a blanket apology. Right. No, um, uh. After my ex beat me up, I don't know, 10 or 12 months later, um, I said, you never apologize for hitting me. And here I have hospital documentation of all my bruises, my fractured nose, everything, two black eyes, you name it, I had it all. And I said, I said, you never apologize for hitting me. He goes, well, I'm sorry if I did, but I didn't, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's an abuser. He took no accountability because because they have no soul. He'd have to feel bad, wouldn't right. he? And he doesn't feel bad. Well, and, and when I say like a blanket apology, kind of like some people on here might not know what that means. So Go to ahead. define that, like how he how he would do it would be okay. I'll give you an example. Um, he had. We, had, we were going to church, and he decided to go in for a repentance. And when you go into a repentance, it's, it's private, so it's between him and the bishop and the God. And yeah. um, he got put onto church discipline and almost was excommunicated from the church. But instead, they did a disfellowshipment, and 
Um, I just stood by his side and supported him. I was proud of him for, you know, going and doing those things. But then when it came to a year later to discuss if he should be able to be reinstated, um, that is when, when he was being reinstated is when I discovered the truth and the facts of why he was even being put on church discipline. And it was for affairs. Um, and the abuse, and I did know that part of it was for him being abusive, physically abusive to me and to, and to a previous wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, I had no idea about the affairs. I didn't know about adultery. And, um, and, he never and there was multiple you. times. Oh no. And then when we discussed it at home privately, he's like, well, there's some things that I'm just not, you know, proud of. And he's like, it, but it wasn't like it was like a full-on sexual affair it was just that on a technicality when I went out on your on my first date with you the divorce wasn't final and that's what was adultery and that's when I first found out that he was still even married and then I went and talked to the church about the the bishop who had helped you know with the the repentance process and he's like "Mm, no you need to go back and talk to your husband. There was a lot more than just what you know. And oh my gosh, I ended up in process. Yeah, and I didn't. I ended up having to do my own investigation, and I found out that he had had sexual affairs, not just on his second wife, but also during our marriage with um, a couple of women, and it was the first time I had known about it. And he was by then had already quote unquote was repented and already reinstated back in the church. Yep. So he lied to a lot of people. He did. And, and, uh, and he, of course, when he apologized about it, the blanket statement was, well, there's some things that I'm not a proud of. And there's some things that I did, but it wasn't like full on sex. Oh, yeah, and that, right, so I'm, that, that was like a blanket apology, you know, was that, well, I did some things, but he wouldn't specify what they were. Like, and a true person who's remorseful of their actions, they'll say, I'm sorry for calling you this name, or I'm sorry for such and such action. Yeah, I'm sorry for having what they did it's wrong. not going to happen again. Yes, it'll be, spe- it'll be specific. If you're genuinely sorry for something and you don't, you want to make things right, you will be honest about and specific about what you did wrong, you won't say, well, you know, there were things that I didn't say, I could have done and said differently, so I'm sorry, but they won't specify what it is. And that's a big warning sign also of, a, of psychological abuses. If they can't be specific on their own volition of what their wrongs were. Yeah. Yeah, it just uh, amazes me um, how they suck, and I'm one of them, these women in to believing them. I guarantee you, if you talk to those women, you may not know who they are, but if you talk to them, I guarantee you they did not know he was married. Mm. I think that most of them did not. I know for sure one of them did. Oh, really? Because she she had had an affair with him with wife number two and me, and he wow. was a co she was a coworker of his. Oh well. Yeah, they used to carpool to work 
um, they had a little carpool, and, and she was in, he and her were in that same carpool to work. And she knew I was newlywed with him. And and she was married? She was um, in her own relationship, a serious relationship, but she knew he was married. Yeah, but, you know, she's in a relationship. Yeah. What? Why? Why is she in a relationship? Because she's sleeping with somebody else. I mean, that, I don't know. My head doesn't wrap around that at all. Yeah. Anyway, so psychological abuse is the worst abuse because it's the longest that it requires to to heal. Mm-hmm. It's not only the baseline of all abuses, it's the hardest to heal from. You can heal from your wounds from a physical encounter. You can heal from... Mm-hmm. Uh, some most of the time, not always. You can heal from the sexual abuse that you have endured. Not always, like I said. Um, mm-hmm. You can endure mm-hmm. from the verbal abuse. You know, you can get through the the verbal abuse. You can go walk away from that, right? But the psychological abuse is something that will haunt you and haunt you and haunt you. I mean, it's hard to even figure out what was real and what wasn't in that relationship because that's psychological abuse. They don't want you to know what's real and what's not real. And that's, that's gaslighting as well. But, um, Absolutely. I, I mean, it takes, if not a lifetime. Um, I was talking to a friend, uh, last year and I said, man, I've been, I've been out four years and I'm still struggling, you know, psychologically. She goes, well, I, I said, when does it end? She goes, well, I've been out 20, and uh, I'll let you know when it ends. And I'm like, oh, good. (laughs) Now, that being said, it does get further and further. The PTSD does get further and further apart, you know, like waking up screaming and and that type of thing. There are a different variety of therapy that work to help make it less and less of a trigger or to help you cope. I mean, Hypnotherapy is a good one. There's another one that's called EMDR. Yeah, um, that works for me. Uh, talk therapy can be good for some. I've tried um, emotional therapy, uh, talk therapy, uh, hypnotherapy because I didn't want to talk about, I didn't want to actually vocalize some of the abuse. Um <clears throat> And in some things, it really helped. And in other things, it didn't help where it needed right. to be. So, so I've learned that each type of, types of different ways to have therapy will be really beneficial in some areas, but it might not be the cure-all. So, right. You know, I, so that's why my children and I, are, we are still continuing the therapy. Um, for example, like my son, he's, he was doing top therapy for several months and now um, we've discussed that we think that EMDR would be really good for my son but for right now we think the that will be more of a long-term plan um, but we're going to try doing play therapy and art therapy for his next couple of months because he's and only who, 10. And who has to pay for that? Oh I'm paying for all of it. <laughs> yeah yeah no, that's normal. The, unfortunately, yep. the victim gets the brunt of all the expenses. They get the lawyers. Yep. They get the, the the fixing, all the things that the abuser broke. Uh, the the abuser usually uh, empties the um, 
the bank accounts, uh, they try, and I didn't know this till uh, just a few months ago, but 60% of all victims lose their jobs because of abusers, because they want to have some sort of control after they leave. And that is one other way they can try to hurt them. And that's another mm-hmm. way to try to control. My abuser uh, did that on numerous occasions, um, unsuccessfully. Um because I did listen to the Lord on a lot of aspects, but also he sold my horse, um, which uh, devastated me. Um, he did all, he did everything. He slashed my tires. He drained my oil. He, he tried to hurt me on so many ways. So, I mean, it, they will try to continue to abuse you psychologically or any other way um, after, after you leave. And, uh, you know, it it was really at the point where uh, this one abuser that I had, I didn't know who I could trust to talk to about it. Literally, I I felt like I couldn't trust anybody, you know, because uh, he, I always felt, oh, he has a listening device or, and my ex too, you know, he, while I'm sitting in the hospital, he says, you try anything, I'll make your life a living hell. And I'm like, uh. Uh, he's he's seen me come in. He knows that I'm here. He know must know that I'm in the emergency room. You know he must know I'm being seen. And he's what is he planning now to do to me? You know I mean I constantly knew he was following me or or something. And I'm sure he did yeah. have someone at least someone follow me or contact me or you know something in some way. And, um, and that's something I've experienced a lot in the last 13 months. Um, so two years ago, um, he discovered that I had started using my phone to record his verbal abuse because it was not predictable if it was going to roll into physical abuse. And yeah. um, he discovered that I had had a recording and he um, – took me for a drive and while we were out for the drive he asked me for where where my phone was and I had already known that that was a warning sign that typically physical abuse was going to happen yeah um and I handed him my phone and I was we were on the freeway I didn't have anywhere where I could you know jump and roll and run away from him and so I handed him the phone and he turned and he looked at me and he had said you know if you ever get in between me and my children or if you ever get involved with the police or court, um, you will be buried. And he had told me two different locations that I would be buried and no one would know how to find me. And yeah. that was a form of, you know, control <laughs> and manipulation and to keep my mouth abuse. shut. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, me, and, and at that point, you know, you feel like, how can I prove that he just threatened to kill me? Because it's a he said, she said, and if I report it, is he actually going to follow through with that threat? Is it, is it just a threat to control or is he legit? And so when yeah. I did finally break free from that fear of him going to kill me and put me and the children into counseling, um, I lived in extreme fear for nine straight months. Slept on the couch right next to the front door um, because I wanted to be you know, as close to the door, just in case if he was going to break in, um, I would look through my peephole before I would open the door to leave for work. 
and um, he's a little more sly than, you know, I, I realize uh, he knows that there's cameras where I live, and so he hasn't been the one who has actually driven right up to my property. However, um, there has been three or four different things that we've caught um, at my babysitter's house. She took a picture and sent it to me and said, um, your ex is driving his car and it's parked in front of my house. And, you know, he's, he was violating the restraining order, but not be coming to my home. He was going to where the sitter was, you know, and, we, and some people are like, well, how come he knows where the sitter is? Well, legally, if he's responsible to have to pay for the daycare expenses and there's a bill, now he knows where the sitter lives. Right. Um, and, 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 and let me make sure he, people do know this. He's never paid a dime towards childcare since October of 2014. And we divorced June of 2014. Oh my god! We haven't paid a penny, but I have continued to still do my obligation of sending him a copy of the bill of what I've paid for. Um, and that he's responsible for half. Um, but yeah, I have two pictures of him staring at my, my babysitter's house, spying on my kids. There was a couple of times that my children would come back in from recess and go tell the school counselor, my dad's outside watching us. And there was a time that the, um, outside duty even saw when my children were walking in and knew to keep an eye out and as she made eye contact with the vehicle with the, with the man in the vehicle he immediately turned around and drove off and she even came up and said to the principal I really think that the kids aren't making it up I think not not only is their fear real but I really think that it, it, it at least happened a couple of times because as soon as I as soon as that child you know pointed at the car and I turned and looked sure enough he backed off and drove away so um, and that's happened on, at three different locations throughout the last 13 months. Right. So. Right. And um, that's psychological abuse, following you around, Absolutely. letting you see the, letting you see him, letting someone, you know, see him, knowing he's there to check out. Um, the children or try to take them maybe, you know, it could be a, a multitude of things. Yes. And so one unfortunate thing about abuse is there is always a psychological component, always. And if they don't, uh, and I guarantee it's intentional, but if it's not intentional, which I always think of that it is, um, it is still puts your mind at like, where is he? Is he following me now? Does he know I'm on this date? Is he going to kill my date? You know, and let me ask you this, Cassandra, since I, Cassandra, yes. I know I always say it wrong. Um, You're okay. since, since you've been divorced five years, um, what kind of men have you gone out with? Um, I've been really careful guessing. about that. Okay. Yeah, I've been really careful about that. I wanted to not follow into a rep repetitive cycle of, right. you know, 
the physical abuse is what scared me the most. However, in the last 13 months of ongoing nonstop therapy, I've learned that the gaslighting and psychological abuse is stuff that you need to see the red flags immediately. And so therapy has helped a lot with finding the red flags. But with dating in the last five years, um, I have not dated one guy who was physically abusive. However, I have dated a couple of people who um, their words said that they really cared about you, but then their actions weren't there. They would make promises to show up and be there for you at places, and then they weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but since then I've recognized that if I want to be in a serious relationship with someone, but I was never super like, I'm not a desperate person. I'm okay with being comfortable being alone. I'm comfortable of living a life of just me and my children. So yeah. um, dating is a first priority for me. Um, I, I don't want to come across as a codependent person and I don't want to attract. And when you are diagnosed as a codependent, you tend to attract narcissists and abusers. Mm-hmm. Um and so because I know that um, is a diagnosis of mine, I have learned to learn how to become dependent on myself and not feel like I have to have someone in my life. But it's, it's more of a, you know, I, I like you and you inspire me to continue to be a good person and I can inspire you to be a better person, but I don't have to depend on you and vice versa. Right. So, um, I've more done the getting to know people on a friend level. And if we can, someone that I feel like can be a true, genuine, real, raw, best friend, those are the ones that I'm willing to date. Yeah. I won't date someone based off of the lust, um, infatuation, feelings. Um, of course, everybody loves those butterflies and that attraction that comes with it, but you tend to be very blindsided and you stop paying attention to red flags that are there the whole time. And so I choose to not go off of butterflies and infatuation. Right. I go off of uh, friendship. Okay. You know, someone that they can trust me. They respect me. They know my boundaries. They know not to push them. They know what the consequence would be if, you know, boundaries were crossed. Um, the hardest thing for me was to make sure that I anchored down that when a boundary has been crossed, that I put my foot down and say, well, you knew what the consequence was. Bye-bye. You know? Yeah. So that's, that mine is the consistency brand new for me. Um, I've only been doing that for probably about six or seven months, and it's been really healthy. Um, it's been, you know, a little hard at first because you start to lose what you thought were friends um, and family. Um, but then uh, about a month or two later, if you stay consistent with your therapy and continuing with holding and anchoring onto your boundaries, you recognize that you have more light in yourself. You have your you're able to breathe more because the toxic, the toxic relationships that have been in your life are gone. So you are able to have more space for positivity and good. Yeah. I have to agree with you. Uh, though I can't say I, 
I've had non-toxic relationships. I think I might be in a non-toxic one right now. It's still embryonic, but um, I've had numerous, numerous toxic relationships. And I'm not just saying since my ex. My ex is one of those toxic relationships. But my abuse started um, after high school. Um, I was unfortunately badly abused psychologically, not even physically, but psychologically. And ever since then, pretty much everybody has been abusive. Uh, all my relationships have been pretty abusive. Mm-hmm. M- not all of them, but most all of them. And the sad so. thing is it's extremely common because it's like a magnet, you know? Right. You right. have to have a positive and negative and they attract each other and, and abusers and narcissists um, want to find the find ones who are vulnerable, um, and that they have already successfully been able to control in the past. And so they start off coming in looking like knights in shining shining armor, and they play off a really good role of playing that role. And 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 because I recognize that that's a natural magnet for me. I yeah. have made sure that people that I, I, I'm getting to know, I say, hey, I'm not here for you to come save me. I don't want you to save me. Yeah, I'm saving myself, and I'm setting new examples for me and my children, and I'm okay with cheerleaders on the sideline. You know, you can hold my hand while I'm saving myself, but you can't come in and save me because, you know, I, that, that's a boundary that I'm saying, you know, I don't want them to do that because I don't know yet if they are an abuser or a narcissist, and narcissists are abusers. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and, and it's extremely common. It's way more statistically common for once you've been abused and then in, as you go from one abusive relationship to another, especially if you were exposed to any kinds of abuse as a child, it's, it's your you might know in society that certain things are not acceptable, but if that's what you grew up with, um, it's your normal. Yeah. And that's hard to break free from. So there's right. a, there's a lot of things in the last 13 months that for me personally that I've, I'm having to break, I'm 35 and there's things that I'm having to break free from of 30 plus years of, a variety of types of abuse that I've been exposed to from childhood on all the way up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And you're right. It is common to have uh, those type of relationships following abusive relationships. Mine was uh, about, I think I said 35 years ago, it's about that long and abuse was not understood at that time, nor, known or anything like that it hasn't been till recently that they've identified um and you mentioned one of them narcissism it's a personality disorder but they've also found that there's some behavioral disorders of course that that lend itself to um abuse as well and right. um so it's uh it's it's very difficult uh well you know and- narcissism narcissism is a personality disorder and the sad thing is um, the four major known, the four main known personality disorders are all forms of when they have relationships, they are all abusers. 
Some might right. be psychologically, some might be physical, some might be sexual, some might be, you know, all of them. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, narcissism but is all a... personality disorders are the users. Yes, they are. Well, uh, there's one, there's uh, three, um, three clusters. The third cluster of personality disorder is not abuser, but cluster B and cluster A are definitely um, abusers. Cluster B is the, uh, well, cluster A is schizophrenic. Of course, they're going to be abusive, but um, cluster B is histrionic, uh, narcissistic, sociopathic, borderline personality. And those four in that cluster are always abusers. But these are the ones that you wouldn't be able to identify as easily, I think. Schizophrenic uh, would be uh, maybe a little bit difficult, but not completely difficult um, in the end, I think. But, um, yeah, those four definitely are isn't, very, Isn't very borderline personality disorder fall under the same category as the, the narcissism as well? Yeah, it's a cluster B, yes. But they've also found that there's some that don't um, qualify under any of those four or any of the clusters, and they call it a behavioral disorder. So that's why I say, and there are behavioral disorders also that lend itself to um, abuse, but won't, it it wouldn't identify itself as a uh, sociopathic, borderline personality, narcissist, or histrionic. It wouldn't identify as any of those. So once in a while they do have a behavioral disorder that can't qualify as any of the cluster Bs but um, or a cluster A and is still abusive. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't have a name for it. They just call it a, a behavioral disorder. How I know is I did a lot of research on it, of course, you know, for my dissertation. But um, so... Anyway, getting back to psychological abuse, all of those, all of those abusers will use psychological abuse, all of them, straight across the board, because that's how they get you sucked in. That's how they groom you. That's how they uh, get you to believe and trust in them. And once that you have been, once you have committed to them, once that you trust them, once they know that you've committed to that relationship, and that might be marriage, that might be living together, usually has a sexual component that. bonds you to them and they have you the abuse will immediately begin immediately and i've had a friend well, she and honestly i think abuse starts before that because they're grooming and people don't recognize grooming is a right. form of abuse it is but you'll never recognize that i don't know you'll, you'll recognize, recognize it in the grooming phase you, right no but right. but through therapy you can recognize and especially there's a book and are we allowed to share titles of books Absolutely. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if you've read the book of it's called the the gift of fear. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite book. It's it's an amazing book. Every person, I don't care if you're male or female, every person should read this book. Yeah. It teaches you, know you to follow your intuition. <laughs> I think Go for I it. really think they should teach this one in high school because if I would have known this Absolutely. in high school, it would have helped me out in my entire life. Well, and just before the show started, you and I were talking about something. Yeah. Obviously, we're not going to yeah. go into that tonight. Yeah. But you even admitted, you're like, gosh, I have these feelings. And I even I, asked this person. And I'm like, I know. Oh, the gift of fear. You should have been paying attention. It was your I instincts. Know. You needed to follow your instincts. You know? I know. But it's a learning curve, and it's a process, you know? Yes. Well, I've been doing It's really a lifelong well. process. Yeah, I've been doing really well with that, actually, listening to your gut feeling. 
Um, and, and, and that book uh, is amazing at teaching you about following your it, gut feelings and, and what and red flags are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> there is no excuse. There is no excuse for not listening to my gut feeling. You know, four times I asked him the same question. I think because I wanted him to tell me um, that my gut feeling was wrong. I think I, right. I want to believe them. I want to trust them. And the one time he said, trust me, I should have really ran. Well, and you know why you want to believe them? And I'll tell you this because you're my friend. Yeah. Because you see the good in people. Yeah. That's my biggest problem. And there's you know. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> We're all, we are all, no, we are all God's children. Yeah. You know, and people who are listening to this who might not believe in God, you know, that that's okay. But if you're, if your belief isn't that, but you know, my belief is that we all came from God and uh-huh. God is good and God is light. Right. You know? And so there is all, there's always good in every person. Yeah. But, um, so you want to always give the benefit of the doubt. You want to see the cup half full. Right. But when your instincts are telling you something different and then if you're religious, you yeah. know, it could be the Holy Ghost is telling you. Yeah. Um, if you're non-religious, it could be the universe is telling you. It doesn't matter what the term you right. use. It's still, yeah. it's still in telling you. Yeah. Yeah. It's telling you. And you need to follow that. that. Yeah. You, it, you go have ahead. to go with the gut. You have to go with the gut. And I did not. And four times I asked him the same question throughout our six month relationship. And he didn't even verify it until after we had broken up like a month or so mm-hmm. and then he mm-hmm. verified my gut feeling and then I just I fell apart I just was a basket case I'm like are you kidding me and everything yeah. I believed was true and um it just yeah today you know that was only a couple months ago that we broke up and so even today I struggle yesterday I just was bawling big time because of it well and the uh, reason why it's hard for you is because it's new it's new information for you to have it confirmed that your instinct was right so for yeah, you it's it fresh all, even though it was true the whole time it, I know but is it also that I'm just angry with myself for being so stupid and not listening to my gut I don't know it might be and I'm going to tell it. you, it's not because you're stupid. You're human. <laughs> and we are, taught, we are taught to not follow our instincts in society. We're taught to use reason and logic. And yeah. sometimes your gut feeling doesn't follow reason and logic. Right. You know? And so, and may I give an example that has nothing yeah, to do ahead. with abuse? It's in ahead. the book of the, of, um, the Gift of Fear. Um, they were talking about, you know, somebody – in a large corporation received a, a weird package from a former employee that was fired and they were disgruntled employee. And everybody's in the that's weird that it came from this person. And one person else says, what if it's a bomb? And everybody else is still so curious to stay in the room to see what the package is. And there's only one of that five or six in that group that walked out of the room. And when they walk out of the room, the rest of them open up that package. And sure enough, it was. It was an explosive, and it exploded. And oh, out no. of that, yeah. that, you know, six people that were in there, only one of them walked out because they followed <laughs> the instinct, even though there was multiple people who had that same instinct and even vocalized it before their death. 
Yeah. But they used reason and logic to doubt it because how often do people at work receive a, a package that is an explosive? You know? Right. So right. Um, I would never call you stupid because you didn't follow your instinct because your human nature is to use reason and logic and if there isn't reason and logic that would fit into that scenario then your yeah. instinct is just you're you're over over dramatizing the situation and right. so you dismiss it right so no you're well, not stupid it's just you need to remind yourself okay this was a scenario that I needed to follow my instincts and move forward yeah. from it, you know? And, and I, yeah. So, and and, and don't call yourself stupid. I don't, that's not healthy for you. <laughs> I know. That is not healthy. <laughs> I will chastise you in a loving way saying, don't you dare do that. <laughs> you are wonderful. Um, but you know, ultimately I did break up with him because of the fact, it was kind of a mutual thing, I think, because um, it was because I, I something I, I felt, wasn't right and I didn't know what it was so on the fifth attempt of uh of feeling that something wasn't right I we kind of went our different ways and remained good friends and um right now I want to punch him as a good friend right <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know sometimes we want to punch our good friends when they're stupid but I no, I mean he's not stupid but anyway so uh yes uh I agree with you um I I learned a a valuable lesson, an absolute valuable lesson with that one. Absolute valuable lesson. And I am going to listen intently. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with what happened for you. You had a learning opportunity. And the yeah. thing that's great about it is you did end up following still your instincts of something wasn't right. You were okay to, to end it because you recognized something wasn't right. Yeah. And later on you ended up finding out. And something also that I, I've re- learned to recognize, because um, I did date a guy recently, um, and there was a couple of red flags, and I, I broke up with him after we had only been exclusive for about a month. And I tried to remain friends with him because um, it wasn't, quote-unquote, toxic like I'm used to. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, well, we can still be friends, but I'm not going to be in a relationship with you. And during that time period, I have discovered things that were not, you know, something that I would want to have in a relationship and was heartbreaking and disappointing if I had still been in the relationship when I found out about them. And so I, all I can say is I'm grateful for following my instincts. And I know that this guy, even though we broke up and I've even ended the friendship, he followed up and contacted me the other day and said, well, why can't we still be friends? Why can't we like, you know, I'm crazy about you. And, and I said, yeah, because my instincts are, t- I, t- I told him straight up, just seriously this week. And I told him, I said, because my instincts are telling me something's not right. And every time I have not listened to my instincts, I wish I would have. And I don't care if I don't know, ever know the answer of what my instincts are telling me. I'd rather follow my instincts and never know the reasons why I should follow it than to disobey the instincts and then find out why I should have listened instead. Right. And of course he didn't like that answer, but, um, and I didn't mean to hurt him, but I have to set an example for me and for my yeah. children and self-worth is something that I have always put on a back burner and it's new in 35 years of my life I'm of so being glad. here on earth. I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm that, so glad. You know, and I told him I was like, 
Thank you. I've, of course, there's going to be many failures in the future, but <laughs> that's part of human nature. That's part of life. But the biggest thing is learn from those failures. Find the positivity from those, those hardships. And, and let me share one other thing about when you follow your instincts. Um, when I did follow my instinct and I, and I stepped away from the relationship, it seemed like things became more keen. And um, he and I and a bunch of other people were going uh, to another state for a seminar. We kind of are in the same circles of stuff. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, I said to him, well, following, I, for some reason, my instinct said he's taking another girl down there. And, of right. course, we're not together, right? But I know how wrong that is because of his status. But I'm like, so I addressed it. I mean, I knew this. I knew without a shadow of a doubt. So your instincts become so strong. And I, I, I addressed that later. I said, well, you took a girl down there with you to, the, to that seminar thing. And, mm-hmm. um, and he goes... Uh, that was for that. Th- this is that's for me. And then he then he mm-hmm. caught himself and he goes, "It didn't happen." <laughs> and I said, mm-hmm. "I'm not asking you. I'm telling you what I know." And he's mm-hmm. like, and and he was he backpedaling like no other. You know, it's hilarious. And he's like, oh, "Well, I'm not admitting anything, and you don't know anything unless I admit something." I said, "You don't get it, do you?" I'm not asking. There's nothing here that see this face is not asking. I'm telling you what you did, and I know that you did it. <laughs> I mean, the more he opened right. his mouth, the more I knew anyway. But, you know, <laughs> I just loved it. And um, the, but, the funny thing is, even with that conversation I had with the guy just a couple days ago, you know, he's, like, tried to go to the list of, you know, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. And then he, like, would put his foot in his mouth. And I was like, I don't care if you give me explanations. We broke up over a month ago, and I tried being your friend for a, your friend for yeah. a couple of weeks, and I even recognized that that was my instinct said I couldn't be. I, right. You don't owe me any explanations. And right, I said, right, right. I don't. And honestly, I don't believe most of them. My instincts every yeah. single time you open your mouth tell me I to not trust it, and I yeah. don't need a. I don't need proof. Right. Beyond my my right. instincts, I don't need proof yeah. beyond my instincts. And, and and let me top everything off with the worst thing he could do, even though I knew that he had taken a girl down stashed her in another hotel, he came over to my hotel room and that night. And, um, yeah. So thank goodness I was talking to someone else. I said, Hey, good to see you. I'm kind of busy right now. You know, in other words, go away. And, um, but anyway, Mm -hmm. so it, you know, it, it worked. It was, when I started listening to my instincts, it was like, it was like the God was telling me or the universe was telling me or whoever, you know, whatever you believe out there for me, it's God, but, um, was telling me, this is what's happening. I just want you to know how much of a slime ball this guy is. And so, Mm -hmm. and, and that really helped out a lot. And, um, so it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah, and it just absolutely it just stronger. Your your instincts just get stronger. So, even if you are being groomed, like you said, which is a psycholo- which is the beginnings of psychological abuse, start listening to your gut. Start listening to that 
still small voice that says something here is not right. And in fact, for me, it's kind of like a fog. Something's like just what is not right. I'm trying because my head's mathematical. I try to put all the pieces together. What's what's not what's not right? What's going wrong here? And and um, a red flag it, in those situations can be over explaining something or being too vague. Right, right, if, right. It can right. be one or the other. If it's too vague. Or if it's overly explaining, those are yeah. red flags. Well, those are red in flags. In the grooming so process. The body, when you're listening to your body, it's either in my brain that I feel like there's a fog or um, like there's something not right. In other words, a fog. Something's not clear or crisp. You know what I mean? And then you get that gut feeling something's just not right. And that's And that's where you get it. It's listening to your body. That's what the gift of fear is all about. Um, it's not. It's not looking for red flags because you won't see them sometimes at all. Cassandra, it's true. Um, yeah, that sometimes you won't see the red flags. But I am telling you, there are some really good self-help books and therapy that can teach you on yeah. how to recognize red flags and following your instincts. Yeah. And I agree with you on I that. I think They're honestly, honestly, so far, like the talk therapy was the and and the the self help books. The biggest thing that I've learned with them is recognizing red flags from the beginning. Right. Okay. Good. And and which books are those that you recommend? Um, the gift for of fear for sure on following your instincts. Yeah. Um, and these are also all on Audible. So if you have a an opportunity where instead of sitting down and reading a book and you're busy driving around town or working and you can put in your earbuds and just listen to it. These are great for audible. Um, so the gift of fear, um, why does he do that? Yeah. I was going to say, um, why does he do that? Lundy's yep. good. Um, there's a, absolutely. And there's a, a podcast that's called understanding today's narcissist. And oh, her, her, I did. Um, and her podcasts are only 15 minutes long. So if you only have, you know, a few minutes to sit and listen to one, you can just hurry and listen to one segment at a time. And she's, she's a psychologist that only works with people who have personality disorders. So she's very in, 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 um, intelligent when it comes to the personality disorders, especially, and this one, like I said, it's called Understanding Today's Narcissist, so she specifies on those, but a lot of the personality disorders would also fit into the blanket of a narcissist or an abuser. Right. So that's a good podcast. Um, that's great. And, well, let me just pull up my Audible, and I'll tell you what the other ones are that I really liked. There's not very many, but because once I've listened to one that's really good, I'll listen to another one and then I'll listen to another one and then I go back to the old one. So, oh, and gaslighting is a really good one. Um, and Karen Tuttle, she's a great author. That one, I do think that she's not the best to listen to on Audible. I think it's one of those books that you need to highlight and take lots of notes, but any of her books are really good. So those are all really good ones. That's great. All right, girlfriend. Well, I'm going to call you later and, uh, and we'll chit chat. Uh, um, I'm going to have a public service announcement right now. And so I'm going to put you in the green room if you'd like to listen to the end of the show, but we're running out of time. So do you want to, thank you. Do you want to sit in the green room or do you want to head out? I'll wait. You're fine. You're fine. All right. 
Okay, to a public service announcement. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat, and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back. This is Shereen. I have to tell you, I absolutely loved my discussion with Cassandra. It was absolutely amazing. I love talking about the different signs and the different uh, ways to be able to help yourself. And so if you listen to this entire uh, radio show, you'll hear not only things that might be red flags, but also how to listen to your body and, um, and, and what, what, psychological abuses from beginning to end and also why it's it's the worst type of abuse i'm going to recap that for you it's the worst type of abuse because it takes i don't know yet but i'm thinking a lifetime to recover from if it's even recoverable um like i said a friend of mine that's been out of it for 20 years is one of my heroes actually in domestic violence um, she said, I'm still not recovered. And I know I still have problems with trust. I still have problems with sometimes nightmares and, and so forth. So a little bit of PTSD, a little bit of anxiety, um, definitely trust issues up, up the yin-yang, really. <laughs> Total trust issues. Um, but I want to thank um, my listeners for listening as well. Uh, and tonight and learning more about how to help yourself or to help others um, that are trying to recover. Um, I hope you pass this on and, and reach out to people that may be struggling or may not be struggling, may need the information. Uh, we'll get together next week again at the same time, uh, 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific, uh, to learn more about domestic violence and abuse. I'm hoping to have a friend of mine on that went through so much abuse she she had a breakdown, and uh, I was going to have her on tonight, but uh, one thing about abuse victims are um, they struggle with discussing it. They struggle with talking about it, but I, I'm going to tell you, I find the more people that talk about uh, those type of things are recover a, a lot quicker, and um, the Cassandra is listening. She's not on right now, but she will. Uh, she will definitely attest to that. <laughs> okay, so that's what I'm hoping to have next week. Uh, she's supposed to be on this week, and I think we're going to push it off to next week. Again, there's another friend of mine that's really, really struggling, um, whose daughters were abused, um, one sexually, and I wanted to get it from a parent perspective. Um, you know where where he was at and what he did uh, to help himself and so i want to say good night and stay safe and have a great week <laughs>